Hello and welcome to The Green Network, a podcast that unpacks some of today's most important sustainability issues with insights from the experts. We're three friends who are wild on everything sustainable, so we thought it would be a great idea to record our conversations with these interesting and smart people in the field for you guys to listen to and learn from. My name's Sophie. And my name's Paddy. And our fantastic editor, Lydia, is here as well. Hello. So we really want this podcast to be um, stimulating, inspiring for you and help you unpack what sustainability really means in our day-to-day lives. And we'd love you to be part of the conversation. So please get in touch with us via our Instagram account. Tell us what you think about the conversations we've been having, your thoughts, questions and opinions. We'd love to hear from you. So, in this episode, we're going to be talking about creativity and how it can help us address sustainability. Now, we're in a climate crisis, a biodiversity crisis, and even a pollution crisis. But how do we begin tackling the enormity of these complex problems? It can feel overwhelming. What can the individual do? The question is, can we find the answers from within the existing system that we live in? The existing patterns of thinking, behaving and doing... Or do we in fact need to rewire the way that we think? And how do we start thinking outside of the box to find solutions that really can help solve some of these complex problems? So we thought we'd approach the creative industry for some inspiration on how to find out how we can use our imagination, our brains and our creativity to find some answers. If these advertisers and marketers have helped shape our behavior through compelling advertising and promotion over the past 100 years, we've all seen Mad Men, right? Surely a slightly different creative approach could help us change our behavior and maybe save the planet. Our expert today is Naresh Ramchandani, partner of Pentagram, which is the world's largest independently owned design studio. Now, Naresh has a background in creating campaigns for some of the world's biggest companies and brands, from Google to Ikea, and in 2007, co-founded Do The Green Thing, a non-profit public service that has so far inspired 40 million people worldwide to live a greener life. And what, what's the mission for Do The Green Thing? I think we're, we're changing the mission somewhat, and I don't think we've really articulated it and codified it. It used to be a, a simpler thing about behaviour change, and um, the mission was to was reach times behaviour change, so it was to inspire as many people as possible uh, in as many countries as possible to be more sustainable, to take actions to be more sustainable in their everyday mm-hmm. life. I think what's happened in the last three to four years is that we've changed from behaviour change to values change. We've been looking and, and taking issue with some of the um, traditions and conventions and industries mm-hmm. that are so so part and parcel of our everyday life that push us to being unsustainable and just asking questions about them and asking people to effectively change their underlying value systems. So... Mm-hmm that they're taking action from a more knowledgeable space where you're actually doing something that that comes not just because it's an action, but it's actually because it's part of a larger change you want to see in the world. You know, Do The Green Thing is a sort of a, bro- a broadcast idea. It's a, it's a platform to get the stuff out. But in that, in that notion of trying to do things in your own life as well, there's one really interesting thing. It's, it's such an interesting thing to do. I, I, my New Year's um, resolution at the beginning of this year was to see if I could go the whole year without buying anything new. And so I'm in a slightly privileged position because we've got quite a lot of stuff, right? Um, 
you know, just you know, I've got a few clothes in the wardrobe and you know, various things here and there around the house. So, um, but it's it's very interesting because it's been so easy, mm. so easy. Mm. Um, so you could go to charity shops. Yeah, charity shops. Yeah. I've become uh, a bit of an eBay um, pre-owned purchaser. Yeah. With some mistakes, <laughs> but I think I can I can sell those mistakes on. Exactly, um, yeah. And there's an amazing thing. You just don't go into a certain thing, which is called shops you just don't go into them yeah. no, food shops obviously i mean you have to you know it's not yeah. food, food but and... you could do secondhand food through things like olio and yeah these other apps yeah yeah yeah, yeah i that mean that's that's, true, that's pushing true. it another step yeah that would be another step uh, that might be that's good, that might be good thing to do. <laughs> but it's been so it's been a challenge sometimes so like you know like i broke my squash racket and i squashes my exercise so i need another racket so you have to find one secondhand on yeah. ebay yeah. but it was worth it yeah um that's really interesting because, yeah, I think a lot of, you're absolutely right, a lot of companies have kind of said, well, if we offer consumers and we treat people as kind of buyers of things who vote with their wallets, if we offer them products and, I guess, alternatives, which are more, which seem more sustainable, um, we might be changing behaviour, but are people really understanding what's at the root cause of um, yeah. these kind of systems, which are fundamentally unsustainable? And are we really, are we really solving the problem or are we just, are we just perpetuating a sort of paradigm where people are just are, are just sort of treated as buyers of stuff and not really as people who are engaging in the world as citizens uh yeah so uh, i think you're really right i mean it's a, re- it's a very uncomfortable conversation mm. that's why because basically it's um it's a conversation about the whole global global economic system being wired wrong you know it's a it, it's based on it's basically based on a 200 year old hack to the subsistence system which was called fossil fuel which was a way of getting cheap power um, which drove um, you know mass production it drove wealth um, and it drives it's behind the sort of aspiration that we still live by you know to do with the stuff we have or the uh, the outward signs of our success and um, we're asking people to basically we're asking that to change and that to turn and it not just to be paying to shareholders and shareholder value but other you know a broader set of societal values and uh, obviously to back to nature as well it's a tough ask it's a tough ask but it has to be done i think otherwise i do worry about the behavior change being a little bit light and not meaningful um and it's all good and well as i guess coming from us who live in north london or london and and in fact the uk which is a very well-developed country yeah but i guess on the global Mm. scale there's so many other places which might find it a lot harder to change their behaviours. Yeah. It, with yeah. the things which might be being suggested through do the green thing and yeah, and and maybe not even aware of or or the education is not there to change. Yeah. What people do. I mean, I think that's another part. I think you're right. It it, it is hard, and um, we're not very good at guessing actually, and we're not we're not knowledgeable about that, and not very good at guessing. I think another thing that's happened. For do the green thing is i think it's sort of changed from being a bit of a marketing exercise to being something a little bit more about the values we think we need to see more in the world how do you in some of the campaigns you've done how have you guys gone about thinking about doing that or are there any examples that you have that you know you could talk about that you feel were quite successful at um having that uncomfortable conversation or does it always have to be uncomfortable um does it always have to be uncomfortable um (laughs) um 
I think there's an element of discomfort in everything we've done over the last three or four years. So if you take, for example, one of the lightest ones, which is the one we're running at the moment, which is about ungifted secret Santa. I don't know oh, if you've yeah. seen that, yeah, it's which is, is, yeah. is re it's really, I'm really, really, really proud of that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very, it's a very sort of well thought through solution. We've been working with a lot of agencies to help pull it off, including a brilliant um, strategic agency called Eat Big Fish, who are very good at yeah. knowing how to challenge things. In fact, that, that's their phrase, that's, you know, challenge brands, their phrase. Could you actually go a bit to some detail about what Ungifted is? Yeah, so um, Ungifted Secret Santa is, it started as a thing called Ungifted, um, which was the idea of looking at, a, and it was a seasonal thing we brought on every year for Christmas, which is looking at um, the fact that Christmas is a season of overconsumption. You know, it's a huge um, materialistic splurge, mm. and much of that materialism is not well placed. It's just stuff that we don't want, and um, there are all sorts of anxieties and pressures that make us buy that stuff for other people. You know, to do with being competitive or fear of not having bought something, or it's tokenistic. And most um, things come with a receipt now, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's yeah. true. Well, that is true. Yeah, exactly. But then who does that? Yeah. You know, um, I'm sure some people, but not everyone. Yeah. Um, and there's also a sense, I think, as with that receipt thing, I, I imagine there's also a sense that it's not always the best thing to do to return someone's present, even yeah. if you don't want it. So yeah. there's sort of a whole tangle of traditions and manners <laughs> yeah. in here. Um, and so we created um, uh, a platform three years ago that was we just called Ungifted, which is sort of what it sounds like it's uh, offering experiences and surprises you can give someone pre-suggesting those instead of a present and we and we did, did it as an email service and then we worked with a, um, eat big fish and they identified secret center as a really nice mm. sort of center of the problem because it's the maximum stress and um in a way not that you don't care for your colleagues but they're just slightly lower stakes than yeah. At, at, ten, at five pounds and ten pounds are slightly yeah. lower stakes than family members yeah. and so it's where the yeah. maximum thoughtlessness happens right. it's like really low value it's kind of really low value but sort of weirdly high risk in a strange way isn't <laughs> yeah. it you don't exactly. want to look like the person who got it completely wrong uh, and often you unwrap the presents as a group in front of people yeah this weird <laughs> sort of parade of yeah. yeah and people play it safe and it just means the safe stuff is stuff they've all got before yeah. and so yeah so we create an online platform called Ungifted Secret Santa as a good as a good sort of typifier of the ungifted idea, um, and um, the idea is that you you as a, a work team, one of you, the person who would normally do the the Secret Santa part, goes onto the website, fills in everyone's emails. Um, they get uh, they get paired, so you find out as a, by an email who you get, and then there's a list on the site of um, I think it's twenty two really really brilliant clever funny um alternative type gifts that you can give a work colleague like unprompted applause in the meeting or <laughs> watering their desk plant for a, a month or filling mm -hmm. out their january right. timesheets etc and i just think it's it's for me it's just um such a brilliant typifier of how imagination can replace just purchasing stuff you know which yeah. is obviously one of the one of the value changes mm -hmm. we have to have um so that's ungifted secret santa I mean, but everything's slightly uncomfortable because it is actually within it, even though it's very kind of poppy and fun, um, within it is a, a not so quiet criticism of Christmas yes. and what it's come to mean um, and, and, and what it is and uh, some of the values and some of the sort of slightly difficult values that are within it. So even on our lighter type projects or campaigns, there's something a little bit uncomfortable in it. And you swing right to the other side, like the thing we did at the beginning of the year where we actually 
um, I thought pretty bravely sort of took on the patriarchy. So mm. Ashley, one of our team members, had been researching over the the year before, piecing together pieces of other people's research and um, reports about the effects of the patriarchy on the climate and how it's um, you know men have a larger carbon footprint than women. Women are much more vulnerable in areas where climate disaster strikes, uh, and women are not there on the on the intergovernmental panels to help make the right decisions. Well, I was actually speaking to Sophie about this the other day, and it's phenomenal when because if I cycle into town in the morning, most cars will be driven by men, mm. and it and it does seem it's a very disproportionate number of men don't recycle men, don't men out there who who are. I mean, in, in, it's not. In, I guess it is intentional, but there is that, that imbalance of pollution. Yeah. Coming from a, one yeah. of one sex compared to the other. Men's carbon footprints are larger. Yeah. It's really interesting. Mm, it's um, so we did a really interesting piece. Ashley took on the patriarchy, no small thing, um, and we and we did a piece. So that obviously came. That was much more discomfort first, yeah. and then yeah. we reached out to, um, I think, forty or so, forty or fifty. Uh, women and non-binary artists and 30 to 31 I think submitted a piece that, as a response to the um, the article and we did an exhibition at Protein Studios in London and it was just like the best thing we've ever done I think really? as well doing the green thing yeah and it was us starting from the most serious start point and then I think there's all sorts of things in between so I remember a very uncomfortable but it still it had some sort of light-hearted clothes but it was a very uncomfortable piece we did was about weddings actually where you know, the wedding tradition is, I mean, the wedding idea is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It drives me crazy. Yeah, as well. Personally, as, as a sort of 30-something woman who, yeah, I just, I know it and they feel, they feel, I personally, I feel there are so many trappings associated with weddings and it's a little bit like the Secret Santa thing where everyone, you up the ante and everyone in your mm. social group feels that they have to... Peer pressure. ...becomes a very yeah. um, performative thing. And yeah. I, I know, but again, it's so uncomfortable because it's about that holy holy area which is about love and relationships and you don't want to ever sound like you're yeah and it's just this once it's my special day well it's not just this once you have to do it every seven and a half years actually weddings only really? last marriages only last seven and a half years. <laughs> it's not just this That's once really interesting <laughs> yeah, yeah so you're 30 grand that you're splurging out or whatever the average price is you have so, to do yeah. it again in a few years time yeah um, yeah and, and I think it's one of those ones where you go yes it is love it's our special day you know there's an exception made a bit like Christmas and buying for loved ones. It's always my loved ones, so we can. It's my it's my children, so let's just buy as much as we want because it doesn't yeah. it doesn't matter. Yes, it does. It does matter. Mm. Um, um, another uncomfortable one where we got actually quite a lot of online abuse, which I thought was really interesting, <laughs> was um, the what the issue we did about vegan dogs and how how your dogs can and should go vegan. Yes. Right. Then they're omnivores. Cats are carnivores. Dogs are omnivores. You can yeah. train them to eat carrots and meat. And we did a photo shoot before vegan dogs. We did it in the studio at Pentagram to show how vegan dogs were um, fun and you know not not weak and lying on the floor. But actually, <laughs> I do find that if I'm speaking to someone about climate change or environmental issues, if it is in a negative manner or the topic is very surrounded by fear and and darkness, which a lot of the time it is, people will completely disengage. But then, if it's more positive, and 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 more happy, people will actually be quite pleased to speak to you and, and respond to those right. sort of communication, those sort of conversations. Do you find that in your campaigns, there's been a better response to the more positive 
side of things. I think it's been pretty equal. Um, uh, I mean, and we, um, it's probably just worth saying that our campaigns are sort of, they're not wholly positive, they're wholly negative. They're mm. sort of in the middle, sometimes balanced a little bit more critical and sometimes balanced a little bit more positive. Almost uh, dark humour. Yeah, I mean, yes, uh, yes, I think you're right, actually. I think there is a lot of um, dark humour. I've never really thought about it like that. But I think some of the ways we write have some sort of quite, quite sort of sarky, sort of tongue lashy mm. sort of humour going on in there. I think that's a, yeah, interesting. I love dark humour as well. <laughs> um, but maybe that's the interesting thing about art is that you don't have to confront another human being. Art's kind of a safe way of experimenting with ideas. And like you said, throwing something out when you're looking someone in the face and you're telling them you think they might be a bad person because they drove a car to work or you know they should eat less meat or whatever yeah it can get very it can feel very personal whereas art sort of removes creates that abstract space yeah so true well yeah i think that's a really good point um i i think i don't think it's a great way to i what it's no i would never advise anyone i i wouldn't have the conversation about why you're eating so much meat or why you're driving that size of car I think the the better conversation would be to sort of hover out of where we are and say, look at the situation we're in and look at, you know, the short termism of governments, look at the super short termism of business and look at the fact that we're not able to see that we're, you know, we're sort of perpetuating a, a very difficult problem with our values as well. And how can we get out of that? Because it is the problem. And it's the, it's the problem that every other problem, it touches every other problem and every other problem touches mm. it, doesn't it? Every single one's connected Absolutely. to this one. Um, the taking and, that step back, actually. Yeah, I think that's the more... I mean, then you sound a bit like a pompous arse at a dinner party, but <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Perhaps we just have to get comfortable with being a bit more uncomfortable in conversations. And to your point about the Christmas example, yeah, we have to be... We have to get... We have to stop worrying about what people think of us as much, I think. This is probably the hardest norm to break because we're social yes. creatures, but... Yeah. I mean, this is this is the helpful thing about um, about Greta and extinction. I mean, so Greta and Extinction Rebellion um, and the Ipbes report and the IPCC report that kind of kicked everything off before, kind of kicked these things off by saying we're not going to get to two degrees. You know, laugh at your one point five degrees. We're not going to be two degrees. It's going to be three to four, and these are all the things that are going to happen. You know, pretty disastrous. Very terrible. You know, on that science, which is always good, I think, to hit people. To and hit that, denials that is with science, based, right? No, no, they are using. Uh, well, well. Yeah, well, I think a lot of fear comes along with it. Yeah, but it's not. It's factual. It's, not, it's, it's factual. Also, it's factual. Fearful. Yeah. And you just say, get with the science. The yeah. science is just a shit show, right? Yeah. Uh, and um, not as in the science is a shit show. What it's saying is a shit show. <laughs> it's quite real. Uh, and <laughs> and you know, and it's really good to have people like Greta saying, "I don't want to. I don't want you to like me. I want you to be scared or whatever." She said that yes, brilliant thing. Yes. She's scared. And, I don't um, want and, you to have hope, I want you to panic. Yeah, I want you to panic, that's it, I want you to panic. Mm. And then Extinction Rebellion saying, sorry, you know, sorry guys, we're just going to you know, block your economy in the best way we can right now. Um, and it, it, it is about being uncomfortable because actually, you know, this whole business as usual thing, which has now become a cliche, is basically screwed, right? Yeah. So it's got yeah. to be stopped in some way or the other. And does that make you an activist, perhaps? You know, does it make you a nuisance, perhaps? Just got to be said, right? Yeah. Is that, is that, is that, is you can kind of draw parallels to the, the fear and irrationality which is re response to a lot of the a lot of the news kind of in the past well increasingly so has become more fear based hasn't it and mm -hmm. that's that's actually been 
think, quite a tactic mm. to try and get people to respond irrationally mm. and in, in, a, in a very psychological way, get them to panic over their decisions, maybe in consumption or ways they vote as well. Yeah. And so using that same sort of tactic, it doesn't sound too healthy, but maybe it might create a faster response to something like climate change. Yeah, and I think um, it's a it's a really good point about the news the news um, the, the news tonality, which has been um, you know it's pretty well. It, it's sort of isn't it sort of slightly driven by short form short form and attention span and Absolutely. somehow um, you know small messages of. Mm gloom and fear are the ones that are playing at the moment which is a, a big cha- it's a very it's a challenge for do the green thing i think because we tend to be mid form or long form we tend to sort of try and explain things a little bit more and um you know it's a, i don't think you say the quick message and make a value shift no it's it's hard we were talking about yeah. this as well there's it feels like there's a real difference between the idea of raising awareness on a topic and getting to that point, like you said, where you actually do have the value shift. It, I think lots of people might think, just put the message out again and again and again and again, but does exposure to something, yeah, as you say, go deeper and actually, it's it's how you create a message that does resonate with people rather than just mm. hearing, because I feel like we've heard lots of the same headlines again and again and again for years, and actually the climate change movement, for probably many other reasons, hasn't, hasn't actually as quickly um, landed with society mm. it's been around for a really long time right but it hasn't actually cut through mm. well no i mean in the time you know as, as um 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 what's his name writes in that terrifying book the uninhabitable earth was his name davis wallace wells you know he mm. said um you know most of the damage has been done since we've known about the problem you know just a horrifying fact <laughs> isn't it come away thinking yeah. we're absolutely screwed oh, no. at the end of it <laughs> and he, he makes some uh, fantastic thing at the end where he talks about there's some there's some philosophical astronomical problem where he says he says one one of the mysteries is if if the universe is so huge um why have we never met any other um form of intelligent Mm. life Mm. and then um there's this interesting supposition that it's because the so-called intelligent forms of life basically blow themselves up in some way or the other Mm. in the equivalent of what we're doing right now with climate change and you go okay that's a bit gloomy (laughs) (laughs) that's a bit gloomy But that's kind of it right now. I mean, I'm thinking, I don't know if I want to read that book because it, it does, that that thought goes through your head. I don't really want to feel yeah. depressed from something like that. And I obviously am aware of these issues, but maybe that's what's also... You'd feel quite stopping. isolated yeah. after reading that, wouldn't you? I think you'd feel quite alone in the world. Well, like, lots, lots of people have read it. Yeah, and it's true. great stuff. It's great stuff to trot out. I mean, some great facts in there to trot out, and it's brilliantly written. He's a brilliant, brilliant writer, yeah. actually. He's you know he's a New York, New, that's actually, New Yorker, so he's going to be good, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. But that's where then do the green thing comes in and, and offers alternatives. Yeah. To your lifestyle choices. Well, yeah, we're translating it to lifestyle yeah. alternatives. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, I'm doing a talk about to a, a, a large creative audience. It's um, it's the Off Festival in Seville, and there's there's like I think fifteen hundred or two thousand people, and they're oh, wow. designers. And I talk, I spoke there last year, and they asked me to come back. Um, and I'm just going to follow up on some of the questions I got last time, where I talked about us needing to change our clients, and then there was a little bit of there, there was some good, you know, good responses to that, and one or two, um, com- one or two uh, questions about what what is it that I can actually do. They didn't quite seem mm. to process in the way I hope. So I'm doing um, effectively a, a very long list of all the things you can do, but they're basically it's four major things which are to do with 
give all your pro bono time to this one cause because it's the cause change your clients start by changing your personal behavior so when you change your clients you actually do it from a, a basis of your own carbon footprint and mm. improving that and sorry i said start i actually mean before that just understand the science a bit better you know and just use it and you can you know it's not a nice word but you can sort of weaponize it if you know the problems and know how fast they're coming and to what extent they're coming then just use it just say it you know uh, it's not comfortable but say it I think that's so great as well actually giving people concrete action so yeah. that they feel a little bit more empowered in a world that is kind of terrifying yeah. and, and then it's about your, as you say the courage mm. to actually stand out and um, and take action and feel the you know feel the fear and do it anyway type thing and what do they say you've got to embrace fear I think we're so we perhaps even from because I, I actually used to be in marketing as well and I Did think you? there's a lot of yeah very cynical now <laughs> well you know um it's all the things you were saying at the beginning but i think it sort of lures you into this idea that everything should be easy and comfortable and convenient and doesn't often you know actually tap into that human need we have to be challenged really or to to rise mm. to a challenge and mm. test ourselves so we have to kind of tap back into that that spirit that's in us i think yeah and... i like the courage piece actually i think that's right i mean it's um it's a it's a talk I, uh, I'd, I'd like to write or a piece I'd like to write but that that values change it's like what are those values is a really interesting subject and lo lots of brilliant people have written them and I think it's probably out there already but they seem to be you know when you're when I think one of the fears is that um, a more sustainable life is a life where you actually are depriving yourselves of things and you think no just look at those look at look at what the values are and they are things like being courageous being resourceful being imaginative, being generous, and then being um, uh, just a, a lot less self-centered and a lot more empathetic on a sort of vast human scale, you know, human-wide scale. And these are fantastic, really fantastic qualities. Mm. And when you look at that, and then you look at the sort of the aspiration um, and competitiveness that are driving the problem, you go, that's a really unattractive world. Absolutely. And this is a really attractive yeah. world. Exactly. So it's a really great shift that can happen. And this sort of malaise here, which is sort of like human-wide, is just not yeah. attractive. We're not actually really that happy, developed world. Popular. I mean, a lot, no, you know, we but, have what we need, but we're not feeling self-sustained. Yeah, we're not feeling yeah. satisfied. I, I think that's brilliant. Varish, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. I think we should, we should let you go. Wow, that was a really interesting conversation. Uh, what did you think about that, Sophie? That was really mind-blowing, wasn't it? Mm. I think the thing that really stood out for me was that we can find fun in new places and we can use our imagination and creativity to bond and connect with each other without it always being about buying more and more stuff. So I think there is hope that we can have fun and have a good life and not be worse off um, without you know buying more and more and consuming more, which kind of builds on what, Mike Tennant from Imperial College was saying in our first episode. Don't buy any more dresses. Exactly. <laughs> the climate crisis and biodiversity crisis might seem like a monumental challenge, almost impossible to, to face and, and, and work around, but actually there, these smaller behavior and value changes build up to, to make the difference. Um, and, and there is hope. Thank you very much for listening. See you next time.